And welcome to our first of two uh, live streams dedicated to Get Back. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, all of you have been talking about it just a little bit uh, yourselves. <laughs> but, uh, but we thought we would come on and uh, do some special shows to talk about it with all of you. Uh, and uh, I am just uh, so excited. I've been excited to do this uh, <laughs> since, uh, since yesterday. I, I just cannot wait to hear what my colleagues think. Um, and, uh, and as you can see, uh, we uh, have uh, reunited, uh, so, <laughs> so to speak. I'm just so thrilled. And, yes. uh, and, and uh, so I'm going to be introducing everybody. Uh, Ken Michaels will be joining us on Sunday. Mm. So, uh, so don't worry. And uh, I, I just, uh, this is just going to be such a fun thing. We, of course, want all of you to take part in our Talk More Talk uh, salute to get back. So before we get started, let me uh, introduce myself and my colleagues. Uh, I'm Kid O'Toole. I am the author of Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours to the Beatles, Lesser Known Tracks, Michael Jackson FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop, and I'm the co-editor of Fandom and the Beatles, the act you've known for all these years. And I just so happen to have my co-editor here with me. <laughs> and yep, indeed. And uh, but he is more, of course, than just the co-editor of Fandom and the Beatles. Uh, you all know him from so many of his other books uh, too many I, if i listed them all we would be here mm. all night but uh but just a sampling um he's uh done uh, books on a two-volume biography of george martin um this year he uh co-authored with jason krupa in a, an incredible book uh about the careers of friendship and careers right. of George Harrison and Eric Clapton. Um, he's done, um, you know, just, oh, uh, the uh, last days, last of, days of John Lennon, uh, uh, the last year of John Lennon, yeah, last year. John yeah. Lennon, 1980, uh, so many more. And he has his own podcast called Everything Fab Four. So please uh, help me welcome uh, back to the show, Ken Womack. Ken, great to see you. Thank you, Queen of all Beatles media. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And of course, he is the co-host of uh, the very popular podcast and video cast, Two Legs. And he and his co-host, Andy Nichols, have been very busy 
these past couple of nights. I mean, they've been Oof. broadcasting at what, like five thirty in the morning. <laughs> soon, like that. soon as the episodes are finished airing, we've been we've been getting on and and going live and just talking about it and having a good time talking about it. Yep. yep. So they have been very very busy. They've been right right on this story. Uh, Tom and Yadi. Hi, yeah. Tom. I hope you're I hope you're awake. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 here. Sure. <laughs> Um, it's just too exciting to 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 be sleeping right now. I mean, the yeah. adrenaline is still running on an all time high. Uh, so, Kit, good to see you, Joe, and and Ken. It's it's great to see you again. So, yep, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, who needs sleep, right? Right, it's overrated. Yeah. It, is. it really yeah. is. And last but definitely not least, he is the uh, the host and and creator of the uh, popular YouTube channel, Mean Mr. Mayo, uh, which uh, also features the show Fab Gab, which uh, Tom and I, and of course, Ken Michaels, uh, been on, and you've got to get on there, Ken. Uh, Ken <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun, fun show yeah. to be on. Uh, and also, uh, yep, and also uh, many, many uh, other great videos about vinyl collecting, some, and with a, with a dash of comedy, um, <laughs> Joe Mayo. Hello, Joe. Hi, Kit. Uh, thank you very much. And hello, Ken. And hello, Tom. Good to be here. Hello. Hello. All right. Well, welcome, as I said, ladies and gentlemen out there, <laughs> um, everybody out there. This is uh, going to be a fun, fun show. Uh, and uh, boy, have we got a lot to talk about, right? Um, so mm -hmm. we are going to talk tonight about episodes one and two. And then Sunday, we'll talk about episode three and talk about just our general reactions to the whole series and, and where we think, you know, how this adds to the Beatles story. So, uh, so we'll talk, uh, let's start talking about episodes one and two. Mm. So uh, kick this off, you know, just kind of general first impressions. Uh, let's talk about what everybody's talking about, which is the quality right. of the video and the sound. Mm. What do you guys, what do you guys think, you know, compared to the original <laughs> film? Just, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, it's the first thing you notice. I mean, right off the bat, I mean, you can pick, compare it to the poor quality of the original Let It Be film. I mean, I know we've all had bootlegs. I know some people still have the original, you know, VHS and Laserdisc, but even those, you know, the quality of that picture wasn't, you know, nowhere near as, as spectacular as this is. The audio, we all know about the technology and, and the work that uh, Peter Jackson did on that, especially on that work. World War One uh, film that he, he helped restored and just what a you know a magical job he did on this and it just really it's almost almost like another character of the film just you know how how great this looks in the audio how well that sounds because we all know if you listen to the Nagra or the bootlegs whatever you have I mean there's a lot of you know heavy guitar playing while people are talking a lot of talking over talking you know so you really get you know this um, you know a lot of lot of separation you can hear you know people talk now so it's 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 really fascinating great job yeah. Yeah. Yep, it really you know, is. It's a masterful job. It looks beautiful. The colors really pop. Uh, I'm reminded in one of the episodes, I think number two, where they're talking about how this is done on 16 millimeter. Right. Paul saying because it was going to be a TV show, it really should be done 35. Dive, right. And uh, you know, Michael Lindsay Hogg says, "Well, it'll blow up well." This right. particular <laughs> stuff will blow up well. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think he, he could have imagined that well. I mean, now we're talking high definition. You know, right. it looks uh, looks amazing. And I really think, of course, the sound is incredible. 
We'll get into that, I'm sure, later, how they were able to isolate certain parts of the sound, whether it's just the dialogue or just a certain instrument. And uh, I thought it was really a good job done in compensating for the fact that you had a lot of audio, but not always video picture to go with it. So you right, had to right. kind of compensate, yeah. you know, and put different shots of other things going on to kind of make it flow together. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I would, I would add too that, um, and I totally agree with both of you and, and the kitten about the high quality of the, the video, but you know, it's a game changer in that regard, isn't it? I mean, our expectations, really have been uh, in trauma for a long time since we first saw um, the anthology and we knew what this this video could look like with the proper treatment and and uh, you know post-production process and now we've seen it it's amazing um, you know we're going to have high expectations for how other uh, parts of the Beatles story the, mm. the the video associated with it can also be restored uh, and, and cleaned up because of the sky's the limit, right? Once you start to be able to apply these technologies. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is also great, uh, great marketing for, for Peter Jackson because, you know, look at the job he did. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, he should have studios lining up, you know, knocking at his door. Hey, restore this film, restore that film, you know, so. Yeah, yeah I, I like how you put it, Tom, that it's almost like another character mm -hmm. in the film. I thought that's a that's a great way to put it, because mm -hmm. it really is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I was just knocked out by by the video. I mean, it looks like it could have been shot today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it really the, the colors are vibrant. There's no graininess. There's you know, I mean, well, they, if you get real close to the screen. You'll see the grain. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. true. But, but I mean, it's, yeah. but it's really no, as, it's, as clear as it yeah. could get. Yeah. And the sound. I yeah. mean, you know, my God, oh. you can understand what they're saying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that in itself is a feat. I mean, mm -hmm. that he was able to separate out the, you know, so you can understand the conversations and was able to turn down some of the background noise and the, you know, I mean, just what an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 it's just really uh, kudos peter jackson i mean he, he just did a magnificent job right. um, uh, see and they were talking about how you know giles martin really can't go back and remaster those uh those early beals records well if you use peter jackson's technology here maybe you can there do you that go. Yeah, maybe, maybe peter jackson <laughs> should, uh, he should remaster those early records you know sure, with all due respect to giles though it's, yeah. it's just not true yeah. and, uh, we're seeing that that technology is moving very quickly yeah. uh, and uh They'll be able to do everything. I'm sure they have a good rubber sole and revolver in store for us in a couple of years, mm. if not earlier records than that. I like uh, Jack Gill's comment in the chat about let Peter Jackson redo anthology. Absolutely yeah. let him do that. Yeah. Yes. Let's get that in a streaming form with all of the outtakes. I know some of the folks who worked on that project and there's a mm. lot of video we didn't get. You know, okay. let's, go. let's go to town. Right. Um, we've just learned, right, that millions of people will sit through eight hours of footage from you know 52 years ago right um, seems to yep. me that there's a, a much larger marketplace than we might have figured hmm. good call yep. good call absolutely all right well let's dig into episode one now one of the things that is causing controversy already uh on at least on on social media is the first segment where he takes uh, Peter Jackson takes 10 minutes to go through a, mm. a you know brief overview of the Beatles story right. up until get back. Um, some people say 
why did he take 10 minutes to do that? Some say he should have cut that in half or something. Others say, why did he do it at all? Hmm. What do you guys think? What was your, your take on it? Go so, ahead, Ken. Go ahead, Ken. I, I love, <laughs> sure. I, I love the idea. I thought it was very smart. Um, and I think if it had been done correctly, we'd have a 10-minute entree to the Beatles' career that we could all be using in various fora um, <laughs> to share their story. But, you know, it had some continuity issues right. um, and other really minor slips that I think if any of us had been, say, employed right. uh, in, uh, you know, in some sort of editorial aspect, yeah. it could have helped out. Yeah, the Ringo uh, bit. The Ringo bit was out of continuity, yeah. you know, even... Yeah. The kind of slippery, slippery nature of 1956, mm. um, you know, wasn't wasn't adequately nailed down. Um, <laughs> all you need is love before a day in the life. Really, yeah. you know, a minor issue there because I don't yeah. know that chronology uh, was necessarily um, was necessarily intact at that point. But irregardless, or or is it regardless, Joe? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But either way, you know, I, I think that was a missed opportunity. But of course, we weren't there for the prelim. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I at first when I was watching, I was kind of surprised because I didn't expect it. And I was anxious to get into the get back material. But then as I was watching, I said, oh, this is really a, a, a good idea. You know, some of the people that watch, believe it or not, are not going to know everything. We have a... Right. a a running history in their minds of the Beatles. And then I thought later, it's important to have things like, for example, Brian Epstein's death, because it factors later on into the the proper film. They right. mentioned, you know, that, that wonderful scene when they call him, respect Mr. Epstein. Right. Mr. Epstein's not here anymore. And, and uh, you know, nobody's here to like put us in line kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, and I think it, uh, technically, I think it was under 10 minutes for, for what that's worth. I didn't time it, but I'm thinking they had a pretty, pretty good job, although other than a few little errors, right. quibbles. But I mean, the time wise, getting a, a whole Beatles update in that period of time, what, that was pretty good. And you had, you had to have it. I mean, I thought yeah, it was necessary. Right, because you need to know that they're not touring anymore. You need to know that. Yeah, that's yeah. Not yeah but to... but not only that is yeah. you want you're you're expecting casual and beginning fans to watch this as well. They need a mm. little lead into this as well. So I, I thought it was very important. I again, I I've, like you, Joe. I was like, why why are they doing this? And it made per after it's over, it made perfect sense. Yeah, yes. we could nitpick on on some of the you know the Ringo bit and the all you need is love before <laughs> you know yeah. uh, Dana Life bit. I mean, you could nitpick that stuff and that and, and deservedly so because we're expecting facts we're expecting all this to be correct and we, they shouldn't have these little mistakes uh, in there however um it's it's very important for for the casual and beginning fans to mm -hmm. to, to get some kind of you know backstory that led up to 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 this uh to this month yeah it, it, it does the job yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And, and I mean, part of me thought like, you know, when it started, I thought, oh, come on, let's get to the story. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's it's uh, it is necessary for other viewers, because I mean, I think, you know, we all tend to forget that that not everybody knows the entire, you know, what what led up to right. where they are. And and it probably is important to to do that. And so, yeah, minor 
errors aside. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think it probably was important for him to yeah, set like, the stage. Right. Yeah. My, 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 I'm right. As I'm, I'm writing notes as I'm watching this. And the first thing I wrote down is mini history. Do we need this? Yeah. And then, you know, after watching it and thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, as I said, that was, I, I wanted to bring that up because that was like the number one thing that mm-hmm. I saw yesterday. Um, it was, you know, people saying, you know, why do we need a 10 minute introduction? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you could skip it. Well, and later, later on, you can skip it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. You know, if, I guess even with Disney, you could go ahead, you know, if it bothers you so much. Right. Uh, but, yep. So, uh, all right. So let's, um, you know, I'm not going to go through every single day. I mean, I thought we could just pull out different things about the documentary and, and different people, uh, because it was really great to see people like, of course, Al Evans. Right. And um, what did you guys make of Mal Evans role uh, in, in this? Uh, you know, and, and, and you, of course, could, men, you know, mention it in episode two as well you know how did how did you you know did anything surprise you or did you you know did any like you know what do you think his role was yes well i didn't know i know he was a general like helper and gopher which is a very very nice word but you know uh but i didn't i didn't know that he wrote the lyrics down yeah um for them a lot of times i didn't know that yeah Yeah, i mean go ahead ken Uh, yeah he had begun uh helping them to secure copyright working with dick james and in fact once you start looking you can find photographs of him just writing lyrics down right. all the time. Yeah. And, uh, he was helping out with that process I, I loved when he not only was copying down lyrics but maybe helping paul make some good decisions about yes. where to put that lyric, lyric. Right. absolutely <laughs> you know look i'm an english major kit mm. you had that name once um yep <laughs> I, I thought Mal's decisions were better than Paul's. Nice, nice uh, edit there. Right. Yep. Yeah, that was fascinating to me, how Paul was bouncing ideas off of Mal. And, you know, and Mal, yeah, I mean, Mal had good ideas. Uh, yeah. and, and he would, you know, so clearly, you know, Paul valued Mal's input. I mean, the, that, that he, yeah, one of the things I was really looking forward to this whole series is, you know, not just the audio, but actually seeing the visual with that goes with the audio that we've heard all these years and to see the facial expressions while all of this stuff is going on. Yes. And you saw generally saw, you know, the love that that Mel Evans had just being there, being around those individuals and, you know, smiling and and, and being happy part and partaking with, you know, whether it's, you know, banging a hammer on an anvil or or suggesting lyrics. He's generally happy and, and excited to be there. And I'm just really, you know, again, just excited that I, we get to see that. Exactly. Well, well, about the writing, you know, the help helping Paul make a suggestion. You know, I talked about this, I think, in our last show or one of them, yeah. where I had an, an audio interview with Mal that I don't have anymore, but in the 70s, I remember. And he said that the truth is that he wrote Sergeant Pepper, the song, and fixing a whole 50-50 with Paul. Right. And that, uh, you know, story goes, as he says, you know, Paul was like, you know, please, Mal, you know, Lennon and McCartney's so big, you know, uh, <laughs> you'll get, you know, you, you'll get your royalties and everything. But right. and he's like, could you imagine my position? He says, uh, traveling the world with the Beatles, being friends, uh, because there's a million 
my line of people that take my place. I didn't care. I loved them too much. Yeah. That's what he said. So he said helped he helped on most some other songs too. Yep. Yeah, well, and you really saw that. yeah, that that scene with him getting the anvil was just I mean oh, the look yeah. on his face, like yeah. he just like, you know, this was his moment. Right. I, it was yeah. wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah, really when you I know we've heard many times that he was a gentle giant. You really saw that mm, in, yeah. in this. I mean, that was I just yeah. wish there was a scene of him actually like carrying the anvil, you know, into the yeah. studio. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been uh, great. Right. Um, so, okay, so we see in the um, the first uh, first one, um, you know, the first episode. You see, of course, um, among many other things, George and mm. and uh, how how do you think in the first episode and up until, of course, he he leaves the group. You know, how do you think his role? from what you see in the documentary is changing. I mean, do you, do you see him kind of emerging, his role emerging? Do you see him as, uh, you know, do you think it, he's becoming more, you know, trying to become more of an equal or how, how do you see him, you know, his, his role changing? Man, um, you know, the politics against him were terrible, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, you could see... Well, that remark George Martin makes, uh, and we knew this was in his mind anyway, mm. but he says, Lennon and McCartney are our, our songwriting right. team. Yes. George, yes. Our, and he says, our songwriting team. Uh, George is his own team. Right. I mean, well, that sounds like he doesn't think he's on the same team as George Harrison, yep. which, uh, which I know he apologizes for um, in 1993 when they were promoting the, the Red and Blue albums on CD. Right. My God, that was hard, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we, we know he was frustrated. We know that um, the, the uh, you know, the um, he wasn't able to express maybe himself. I mean, he has that conversation with the guys about how he was he was not capable of improvising, like, say, like an Eric Clapton uh, would be able yeah. to. So maybe he's mm -hmm. also frustrated in himself because he can't perform the way Paul or John are maybe expecting him to perform as well. Um, and just, you know, frustrated altogether because obviously we see Paul like, you know, come on, let's, let's get it right. You know, let's, let's keep working on this. And then he's just sitting there still just, you know, trying to find chords that he's still not, you know, able to, able to get. And, and, and it's, it, it's kind of sad to see in a way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. At one point, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but at one point he says, something like you know he really enjoyed getting more involved like with the white album mm, right. i think he says something along those lines that you know right. he really enjoyed because of course i mean you know he had while well, my guitar gently weeps i mean he had you know some incredible songs right. and you know clearly you know is saying you know i'd like to be involved like that again you know with with this uh but uh you know isn't really being heard <laughs> very much. Well, I, thought, I thought he sounded a little defeatist at times. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a little like unsure of himself. Uh, right. Maybe, you know, not really confident. Right. Yep. I mean, I think he like wanted to be more involved, but yeah, as time was going on, I, I, know, I, it's just time went on. Yeah. One of the best parts of, of this series, and I know others have commented in other places about this, is the way we hear. Uh, remarks that you know have, we, we've only experienced on audio and or we've read about them and now mm. we're seeing them 
in a kind of quasi real time experience. And I, I really felt his position and its problematic nature acutely when you see him on that last morning before he quits and freaking Dick James is there. Yeah, you know, that and, was an interesting mind, scene. You know, and Dick is just, uh, remember how Dick gets involved. George Martin brings Dick James on board because George wants to cut EMI out of the Beatles publishing because he was, to quote another person at, at the time, he was naughty like that. And uh, I think naughty is a nice word for what that is when you cut your employer out of something like that. But Dick goes off with it. Of course, they make a killing, right? And, uh, and George Martin will no longer be speaking to Dick James much longer after this. I mean, they will, they will go their separate ways and George will have nothing to do with him. But watching that scene where he's just almost, you know, He's almost the evil supervillain, right? He's talking about the great Lennon and McCartney brand. Brand, right. And it's hard to watch. And then you've got Ringo making the crack that we're all thinking. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, you don't I know. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, what are you going to do with your one half? One of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And George, on that, yeah. I forgot what George says. Uh, he sort of either side, side swipes at it or. Yeah, I forget too. Yeah. Oh, was, he, was, he, was he present there in that little click at the time? I don't remember him being being present there. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I just remember there. seeing uh, seeing Paul and uh, and Ringo in that uh, yeah. with Dick James there. That was a that yeah. was a squirm inducing. It really scene. was, and mm. uh, and you know, oh. and then of course Peter Jackson, being a good director, starts telegraphing to us those shots of George looking pretty blank. Mm. Yeah, yeah, those are really highlighted. I think, boy, if you he, can just see that that day that George finally leaves. I mean, you just see him. I mean, it's like a ticking time bomb. I mean, like you could just see the looks on his face. And even when I say that, when he finally leaves, it's, you know, it's not like he blows up, but mm. you can just see the resentment building and no, you, building you and building. You could see it. I mean, you could I mean, see the, it. The, the, the creative process is just not there for him uh, yeah. at that, at that moment. And you can, I mean, obviously, you know, maybe he, you know, he recaptured a little bit more of it when, you know, when he came back for episode two, but I mean, he it's in a way when you watch it, he's really not, bringing anything to the table um except for again you know all things must pass and, and and talking about how he wants to you know that arrangement to be but then while working on the other songs he just just doesn't really look like he's or maybe just not capable of bringing anything to the to the table for those songs i don't yep. know I well don't know. well let's talk about one moment i i found really interesting where he does kind of offer <laughs> something, right. but right. but it's it's uh, very awkward. It's um, when they're working on uh, "Don't Let Me Down," and of course they they spend right. quite a lot of time on, on "Don't Let Me Down" on uh, day three uh, when they're you know running through it, and uh, it gets pretty tense when Paul uh, states uh, you know he's he's sort of trying to, in my view you know, take over, um, you know, he thinks they're not really getting much done. And so he then says that, well, um, and again, paraphrasing kind of that John's sentiments in it are, are corny. He actually <laughs> right. says it and you can right. see John kind of right. bristle. Yeah. I like says, the corny bits or something. Yeah, I like, like the corny bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, John or Paul is trying to say, well, we need this to do this arrangement so to, to kind of offset that. 
and then George finally says, "Well, it sounds like the you know the same old, right? Um, you know, oh, s." <laughs> he, he is very vocal. Uh, yeah. you know, during, yeah, yeah, he really, during he really these spoke, these spoke bits. Up. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he didn't like something. You heard it back on yeah. a tape recorder, right? Yeah. Which we'd already heard that in what it be. Good point. Right. But after yeah. that, he says he looks yeah. like it's something. It really is or something. He said, right. "Yeah, I wasn't used to that extra uh, bit that he says after." If you heard yeah. it back, right? So yeah, you know exactly. Yeah. So you know what do you, so what do you guys think um, about Paul's role in this? So you know, I mean, what you know, if like in such as in that, because you know, Paul on the one hand, I mean, he def, I think he feels like we're getting off track here. You know, we're not getting anything done. Um, you know, I need to come in. But on the other hand, it is John's song. And I think John kind of felt like, hey, you know, you're you're taking, you know, you're take trying to take over. And I didn't, th- you know, I didn't think, think John seemed kind of passive at that point. It's wicked him mm-hmm. to me. You know, later on, he seemed more like the old John. Yeah. But uh, I thought he was kind of passive, passive considering. And uh, now I'm thinking that maybe Paul wrote some of Don't Let Me Down, too, in addition to some other songs, because mm-hmm. he's talking a lot about, about the bridge and everything and help helping out with that. But Paul is in an impossible uh, position and I got much more respect for him. I mean, I, I respected him anyway, but now, especially after seeing this, I love the fact that he gets up, walks around nervously yeah. and talks about, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like being the boss or whatever he says, right. uh, whatever the, the word I'm not, are. I'm not good being the boss, you know, mm-hmm. and he, and, and he's in this position that he's got to do it. Whereas he looked more like the bad guy quote when we had the original let it be, but now we have mm-hmm. more right. uh, context see what he's up against yeah i think he said something like i've been the boss for the past two years right. and i don't like it or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. Something so, like the, yeah. Well, so. yeah i mean they they all agreed to do this you know mm-hmm. there was this agreement so i mean i'm sure there was frustration on his part and then and then obviously as we as we saw these days go by how many songs does he have i mean it's yeah. just like one out of the Very back pocket after impressive the, after the other and yeah. you know obviously he wants to get all these songs done and he's just feeling like the others just aren't interested maybe it was cool to see how animated mccartney was you know Mm -hmm. again in my mind you know people are sitting around with guitars but you're that's such a good observation he moved around a lot you know Mm -hmm. he was very physically in the scene um and you can see the politics in a very different way i i think at this point i i less see it as him being Mr. Bossy Pants and simply being frustrated uh, that they're not engaged at the same level he is. You know, I mean, what, right. what, one morning he comes and he's like, oh, I just wrote this and it's back to right. car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, I just wrote this this morning. Yeah, right. You know, right. there's that great bit where he's talking with John and the microphone. They're talking to the microphone in the sky, and and Paul's confronting him. Hey, he's, hey, you've you wrote anything yet? And he goes, mm-hmm. you know, and John says no, but you know, I am I work best with my back against the wall or whatever. And he goes, well, you know, I, I hope so. I mean, because you know, he really needs John's help. You know, with 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 this. I mean, they got to write 14 songs, right? And so, and then it was fascinating to see them going back to all those early uh, Lennon McCartney compositions and and yeah. trying to yeah. see if 
if they could work those into the picture. Um, you know, and that was that was pretty fascinating as well. And wasn't it fascinating that yeah, they they went to all those old ones, but then when they got to one after nine oh nine, George's right. face really lit, lit up, up and he yeah. was like, Yeah, that's yeah. the one. We gotta right. record this. Mm-hmm. You know, although Paul didn't seem confident about the lyrics. You know, he right. said, so, yeah, he thought some of them were a little, I forgot how he right. put What's it. What's the best of the bunch when they go, when they're going back <laughs> and doing a lot of those old, old songs that right. from their youth, uh, one after 909 is a classic. Compared yeah. To right. I mean, but yeah, George, George really uh, lit up at that one. So, okay. We then get to when the moment happens when George leaves and right. um you know now it's certainly as peter jackson said in one of the interviews it's the most low-key departure there is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know there and it is right but what do you think because i again this is something that i've i've noticed people discussing uh too which is you know what was it about that particular moment do you think that made him say right i'm out of here you know why that particular moment uh because in the film it's not you know peter jackson just just lets it you know play out he doesn't you know he doesn't really provide any background he just lets it so what what is it do you think like why did why that moment yes yes sir yes uh and a follow-up question please um i you know uh I love this documentary. I need to say this right now. I yep. think it's 10 out of 10. Yep. Um, I can't believe that I now have this in my world. That many. Although yes. That's <laughs> like 20, Tom. But anyway, <laughs> out of 20. But, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm teaching Let It Be in two weeks, right? Mm. So Nice. Uh, yeah, so two Mondays from now, we're going to have all of this video. Right. You know, so I'm thrilled. But um, one of the best aspects of it kind of failed us here and that is um in the sense that we don't have talking heads so we don't have people 52 years later telling us what they are trying desperately to remember was happening in those instances i like that i didn't like that in uh anthology uh i know i I thought that was kind of fun because it was so new to us at that point yeah that seems like another era right at this Mm, point but right like eight days a week at a certain point Every day we get further away, uh, memories begin to fade. But anyway, going to the quitting scene, I really, I think that we missed a bit of an opportunity there to to give a little bit more feeling to why George left. He didn't leave for nothing. Um, you know, a lot of people try to connect that with, uh, with the argument with Paul or the conversation with Paul two days earlier. That's not it either. Right, you right. know, George's, uh, George's wife is essentially not at home right now. Right. As we know from history and Patty and, uh, and um, you know, he, he does something about it th- that day or the night before. So there's a lot on his mind. Yeah. Um, he does have some kind of confrontation may not have been physical. It may not even be been that loud. Uh, but something happened at lunch with John and John, of course, was frustrated with George. Remember John mm. felt, uh, what, what, what was the thing where he said he should have hit George because George had said something about Yoko. Oh, I remember him at Rolling Stone. He said uh, something about Yoko have given off bad vibes or something like that. And mm. yeah. And, and that was during the white album. And John said, I, I should have slugged him. Uh, but didn't. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe John had some pent up, uh, frustration. Um, I tend to believe them at this point, in spite of what George Martin said. 
that uh, that there probably wasn't anything physical. They seem to wound with words, you know, like when Tom Hanyadi yeah. and I fight. It's all it's all like cussing at each other. We go to our separate ways. That's the good fighting. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Anyway, you, you know what I mean, though. I I just felt like not to take a slight stand and give us something. Mm. Uh, there uh, and maybe we'll have to wait till volume three of, of right. tune in perhaps but maybe maybe <laughs> but i think you do got something of a point there too like about with the home life you know maybe they just wanted to keep that bit personal i mean keep it private there's no need to i mean if it is personal why bring that in why speculate it could be something else if it's not um just keep that keep that stuff private and 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 that's it i mean we know george you know loved his women but i mean did that need to be factor in to that reason why why he left i mean we all want it to be because they just weren't getting along in a way you know i mean how how does that work in the story if it's more of a more for personal reasons well you know there's a lot of theories and i think and even peter jackson said uh, he thinks it was more personal in his life stuff not related to the work necessarily but i can't see how it couldn't be partially in his mind uh you know feeling his place you know uh, as the third guy or whatnot and everything being lennon and mccartney and yeah the way it's presented in the movie if you didn't know anything about it you're a novice and you're coming in cold it just looks like he's uh right frustrated mm -hmm. from what we'd seen earlier you know uh, with don't let me down two of us which i always thought was i've got a feeling it watching right. <laughs> let it be but uh, and this is where it's good for for the newcomers and the casual fans where they see this you know maybe that you know gets a bug up their butt to do some research on this kind of yeah. stuff you know <laughs> yeah, really. you know and become hardcore fans you know so yeah, yeah maybe so uh you yeah. know it you you guys made a good point earlier about the white album and george sticking up for himself yeah because he did have a really good record, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he did have one of the one, the very few songs that weren't used, but he did have a really good album uh, with some great performances. And he, of course, was hoping uh, that things had changed and mm. had not. Yeah. Well, and as, as you pointed out, Tom, of course, he brings in all things must pass. Right. And, you know, and, and yeah, they barely, you know, they didn't spend much time on it. And then, you know, and then well, I mean, and other yeah, stuff it, it seems like they didn't spend enough, yeah. a lot of time on it, but they well, really that's did. True. They yeah, really well, did. that's true. It's yeah. kind of how it's edited. Yeah, yeah that's that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then, you know, so episode one ends on a you know a cliffhanger. <laughs> of course, we all good, we good all know how it ends. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, but clever way to end it. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it's great. So uh, oh, before but, we, but we should we, mention though that that scene at the end is the scene. I I think that's the scene of part one. I mean that that you know that little huddle between Paul, John, and Ringo. Yes. I mean that really that's a know, wonderful moment. That and is, it, and it just really puts that whole first episode in perspective. I think it's it's just, you know, it was necessary. I'm glad it's there, um, you know, because it, it. I mean, it adds just adds to the story. It adds to George leaving. It adds to the to the story of the Beatles. I, I just think it was really an emotional, moving moving scene. Yep, I'm glad you you mentioned that, and I also almost forgot to mention, of course, after you know George walks out. That incredible jam <laughs> with, with Paul, John, and Yoko. Yoko right? yeah. And you know what I find interesting is 
um, you know, then and then there's a moment in episode two where they jam again. Right. Paul seems to enjoy jamming with them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he, he seems to get kind of a kick out of it. I right. mean, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and he says uh, in episode two right. uh, transitioning, he talks about Yoko mm-hmm. uh, a bit and he makes it clear that, you know, he really doesn't have a problem with her. <laughs> Um, that, you know, that, but that, you know, he understands that, that John is in love with her and just wants to be with her all the time. And he said, you know, I understand that if, you know, he has to choose between the Beatles and Yoko, he will pick Yoko. And, uh, you know, he just said something like, I just think he's going a little overboard in terms of wanting her in the studio with him all the time, but really makes it clear, like, you know, I don't have, you know, personal problems you know with her right well i'm, um, I'm sure he's sincere i'm sure he's sincere but then the camera is also running and yeah true. During, the, during the thing he says a few times like when john starts talking about being stoned and high yeah when he says oh, oh lennon do we really have to make this public and yeah, talk about true. This now. so yeah, you know he's right he's more private but but i did like the way paul handled jumping ahead here i like the way paul sure. handled the situation i thought it was perfect and uh you know this is unrelated right now but that long shot on his face mm-hmm. Paul's face in that scene where yeah. he knows well, you can feel the pain and the sadness and everything he's going through yeah because really this was a time where you know normally as we all know Paul is very kind of guarded and, and, right. and oppressed and all that and there were moments in this where right. you know he let his guard down and, and you know had some um not, I guess breakdown isn't the right word, but I mean, he, you could see his anxiety, oh, his frustration, yeah. mm. uh, you know, it was, it was yeah. fascinating to see. Let's, uh, talking about Yoko, let's let's talk about Yoko for a second, because of course that was another thing that people were speculating was, you know, how was mm. she going to be portrayed uh, in, in the film? Um, so what, um, how do you think? Uh, she is portrayed in, in Get Back, you know, how do you, had, uh, Ken! <laughs> and a follow-up. Um, right. she, had a, she had a good docu-series, right? Right. So far. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, I won't comment on anything else, but she's had a really good docu-series, right? She, um, it, uh, I, could, I can't see how this wouldn't have passed muster uh, with her team. Um, you know, she uh, really cohered with Paul's remarks that, you know, she wanted to be with John. She was in love with John. And so there she was. But for the most part, she seemed unobtrusive, right? Yeah, and, she's just there wow. to support her husband in a way. Yeah, I haven't seen part three yet, but in part two, and I'm a Yoko supporter, for, you know, for those who don't know. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Ken. I definitely think she, she's not really, at least in this, what we see, making a nuisance of herself too much. Right. I think after a while, you don't even notice that she's there. I mean, I forget she's even there. Yeah. Of course, if if you're anti Yoko, and I've right. already heard comments. I know on some of my videos talking about the jams, which I'm glad the jams are there. Me too. No other, and they're not too long. You know, they, oh. repre- they, repre- they represented, but they're just long enough. But I like to see Ringo smashing away on the drums. Paul, as you yeah. said, trying, trying to, to get, get the feedback. feedback. Yeah. yeah, showing that, was that fun. they're supportive and they're game. Yeah. And, then, okay and then on top of that, 
during the uh, during the video of them doing Commonwealth, I mean, you see her really getting down with the track. Yeah, I mean, she's yeah. really enjoying <laughs> yeah. it, you know. And I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool, mm-hmm. you know, because she you you don't see a lot of movement from her, um, mm-hmm. but then you really see her getting into Commonwealth. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and also I love seeing some of the footage of she and Linda talking. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that they, yeah, yeah that they right. seem to get along very well. And I can see that. I mean, Linda's a photographer. She's an artist and, you know, in her own right. So, I mean, I would think they could, you know, they could connect on that level. And, and so it was really, you know, nice to see that. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, she was very unobtrusive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was just there. And yeah, I mean, there were times it was kind of, it was interesting. I mean, she'd be knitting or she'd right. be you know i loved in one of the scenes where they were the four of them were kind of arguing over don't let me down and she's just reading the paper i mean (laughs) this is great right and and the same thing with linda it was wonderful to see her yes of course she's now been dead for many years and yeah just beautiful i love gorgeous beautiful woman i love the uh who's the bigger fan argument yes between michael yeah yeah can we spend a minute on him yeah michael Lindsay hogg i thought he was the I know that a lot of people see him like this supervillain or something. I thought he was fabulous, <laughs> chomping on his stogie and yes. walking around at times as confused as they are. <laughs> it's uh, I thought he was wonderful. I, yeah. and I know I'm in the majority as far as a lot of viewers go, but man, <laughs> he, I think he was fun. Right. He is yeah. such a good uh, stogie chomper that he was able to keep that cigar in his pulling mouth while, the they're, while they're pulling him up on the roof. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. That's a great yeah, moment. He, uh, you know, he does his own stunts. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And before I forget, because you, you bring it up, Linda, I wanted to mention something I noticed. I didn't hear anybody talk about yet. Uh, I don't know what this means, but uh, during the scene, which I found very fascinating, the, the beginning of part two, when you know when George is left and they're all gathered around talking and right. a, a, about what they're going to do and John and Yoko and all this stuff, Linda doesn't say much and then Paul has to talk to John on the phone and as soon as Paul leaves, yes, Linda jumps right up and starts very talking. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, but, you know, yeah. they want to see the Beatles. You know, they want all this. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Paul comes, come, she suddenly talks about what a she, she's like a fan and all this. Right. Then when Paul comes back, I notice that she's kind of quiet again. She says something. And he turns around and says something like, I don't remember yeah. exactly. Stay word, out of it, Yoko. Oh, or stay something out of it, Yoko. Yoko. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And I'm yeah. like thinking, oh, what do we see here a little bit? Is it like, uh, what's going on at home? I wonder a little bit. Yeah. No. <laughs> here's my follow-up. No. Oh, follow-up, all right. <laughs> yeah, here's my follow-up, Kitten. So, uh, and it's been mentioned twice in the comments section. So mm-hmm. I feel beholden oh. to bring it up to the team all here. Right. And that yes. is uh, the pretty salient remark about the meeting, the, the failed meeting they had right. at Sunny Heights, Ringo's place, right. to see if they could talk George back into the fold. And Linda said that Yoko spoke for John. John, right. Yep. Oh, yes, yes. that's and right. It brought that up. And so, you know, what do we, how do we read that? I mean, is it because, let's face it, during January 1969, John Lennon had good days and bad days. There's right. some days where you can see in the film, he looks kind of glassy-eyed. Yes. And there are other days when he's animated and he's into it. Um, obviously, and happily, I think we notice that he tends to be into it more uh, as, as we get into episode two. Right. And that was a lot of fun, by the way, after Michael Lindsay Hogg asks him to um, create the promo for the Rolling Stones <laughs> Rock and Roll Service. Right. <laughs> and now... 
Yeah. <laughs> he Rolling. does it like 20 times. Right. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't let it, he doesn't let it go. No, he seems to get yeah. a real kick out of that. Yeah. And he's mocking MLH every time he does it too. So anyway, <laughs> um, but, but how do we read that? You know, how do we read that? Uh, well, that she did the talking. I, I think I'm kind of not surprised by that because I think we, we see that in other interviews where Yoko is very, talkative um especially when like like a dick cavett or maybe michael douglas will ask john a question and then yoko will you know start doing some talking from time to time not that john doesn't talk but yeah he holds his own um but yeah but at that particular moment you know when when george is at his most vulnerable i mean that's when john really should have been you know that linda and yoko being there was wrong I, I think, and let's, let's just, you know, because I mean, that is kind of like an elephant in the room with Yoko Linda being there, um, but that pit was wrong. And, and the fact that, you know, Yoko was talking for John too. I mean, it's come to be expected. I mean, it's, he, he's, he wants that motherly woman in his life. And well, I'm you, glad know, you said that he wants that. That's another thing. Yeah. It's one thing when, if I guess, if, if somebody is speaking for you and against your wishes like you know yeah. you're trying to say oh, but uh somebody's right. speaking right. for you but if you're like hey you take care of it i'm, I'm cool right. with that that that's a whole different i thing think that just me, shows I... where he's at emotionally right uh, at that time yeah. yeah yeah i think that may have been the case and of course you know as we all know he was struggling you know with heroin and, and you know yeah. i mean it was right. you know and there were times as you said ken that you know, he seemed kind of checked out at, at you know, at, at, at times. So, but yeah, then, especially days and bad days. Yeah. You know, but and then, it may have yeah. reminded us from the Rolling Stone interview, too. I mean, John may have felt too emotional about whatever his issue is, was right. with George and didn't, didn't feel like right. talking at Sunny Heights. And maybe George was looking, right. perhaps, and of course, this is all inference, right? Right. Um, but uh, perhaps he was looking for John to have some sort of connection because George always looked to John as John. a barometer. You know, you right. can see it even in his comments in the 70s mm -hmm. uh, prior to the assassination, you know, just uh, right. he would really take those things very, very seriously. Right. Yeah. But then flash forward to that that lunch meeting. And then I think that he does come to his senses a little bit. Right. Exactly. You know, all right. Let's talk. That. Let's talk about that lunch meeting. No, I, I didn't we? expect that at all. Anybody oh, else? my Wait, God. Uh, dear viewers, we all yeah. need to know that we should be checking flower pots. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Right, Kit? I mean, I know you've been doing this for years, but others haven't. And right. See a flower pot. What if right. that flower pot has a mic in it? <laughs> I will never, I will, yeah, I will never think of lunch the same right. way again. You know what? And yeah. Queen, if you're not sure, don't say anything. Just do exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think yes. the best thing, yeah, when we're at the fest next year, you know, watch, look yeah. at the flower pots, make sure there's no mics, hot yeah, mics really? and anything, right. Exactly. Check for bugs. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> there's a mic right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> How did that get there? <laughs> oh, uh. man. But yeah, let, let's talk about that lunch conversation, shall we? Yes. So uh, that that was, Wow. I mean, that was a, that was definitely a kind of a jaw dropping moment for me in that, in that uh, documentary. I mean, that was, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, I don't think any of us had ever heard John and, and Paul talk that frankly um, right. about, you know, their, uh, their, 
you know, working relationship, their friendship. Uh, John, of course, trying to explain to Paul how George, you know, I think George's perspective. Mm. Um, what did you make of this? Where do we I'm, start? <laughs> and they think he's right. I get the impression they say he's George is right. Right. I mean, really, mm-hmm. they have it. John brings up their egos. Mm-hmm. See, and this is why that. you know, you know, Joe. I mean, you always bring up John's honesty in a lot in your videos, and it's definitely shows here. I mean, I th- I think he knows both of them are in the wrong in the, in this conversation, and you know, yeah. and Paul, and then Paul agrees to his yeah. to his credit that you know he ends up agreeing. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ken, what did what did you make of this? Well, it was well. I I mean, it really it underscored what I think we've always known. They they really did see it as their band in a lot of ways. Um, the way they were feted uh, for being the greatest songwriters right. of the 20th century. Good point. Before they, before 1964. <laughs> uh, and they've really done so much more, you know, in that time um, is amazing. And, and obviously um, it had a, a deep effect on them. So yeah, it showed us that, that John was, uh, the ice was breaking with him a little bit, right? We need to be more, Right. Realize what we've been doing to George. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish we had a better sense of why he got to that point. It was really, I didn't mm. see it coming. But again, you know, I'm I'm happy that there weren't talking heads in in the story as we talked about before. But yeah. um, I thought it was really moving. I I found myself feeling really moved throughout the series. You know, yeah. uh, there are yeah. a lot of emotional highs and lows. Uh, I feel like I'm being privy to things that maybe I knew about, but I didn't know about in exactly the same way as seeing them, you know, Mm. with real human beings doing them in class. And I got to say, you know, uh, this is what I tell my students every semester when I do the Beatles. This story is the greatest story, but it's (laughs) all great stories. Right. There's a lot of hurt. Two guys die. One's murdered. One dies young. You know, yeah. they're uh, and I'm not even and Brian, right? You know, it's, right. it's a story yep. with lots of reality to it and missed opportunities. I mean, I think when Paul sings, "I never give you my pillow," right? He realizes that he does not know how to give succor or comfort to another person. Mm. Yeah, and good it, point. It, you sure see it all over this film, right? He you doesn't. Do. He can't quite turn off, uh, what did he call it, writing on heat, where he's just got to get these ideas out, even if it runs over, you know, other people. Uh, he can't, mm-hmm. he cannot, you know, numb that properly and and see the human person there. It's just a continual problem for him. And I think that's why we get that amazing lyric. This It just underscored to me what, what a wonderful story this is, and yet why it's also a sad one. It's and a there's tragic story yeah. with that, by the way. We like sad stories. Right. Uh, we read books and we watch movies about sad stories. So I don't need, I don't actually need the Beatles story to become a happy one. <laughs> and that'll be a good time to interject for me. I, I'm glad this is not what I feared, and some people feared a whitewash. No, you heard no. all this. All, no. You heard all this talk. Oh, you know, Ringo. Oh, I it was so happy all the time. I didn't realize how happy every, you know, and how up, up we were and everything. And, love and all this great that's in there but as Kenneth said well he's a little wrong with that comment as well yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) exactly no I I was pleasantly surprised I mean sure there's some there's some happy moments in there and I mean you see them kidding around I mean that moment where you know they're like oh let's go in the control room and and you know uh Ringo and John put their arms around each other I mean there's some great moments like that obviously they are breaking up 
They right. all break. Uh, yeah, and obviously Peter Jackson him. didn't show him the bit where where Ringo's going. Well, for some reason, I'm just not doing very well today, or he's just like grumpy, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah, because okay, Ringo yeah. too. I mean, he's got a lot on his plate too. I mean, he's got to get ready for a film, you know, and I'm yeah. sure that's weighing on him uh, yeah. as, as well. So he's not all smiles and and jokes. Oh no, I mean there are times. Either. There are times when like Paul and and John are kind of goofing off and right. this, you know, and and Ringo's kind of looking at him like can we get on with this you know i mean you can you can tell but but i i think what's great is that um you know that yeah of course you're seeing some great moments but i i do think in a way this this was sort of sold initially as oh this is this is happy this is all yeah it, it was, really it isn't was. and good yeah it wasn't the, it definitely wasn't a whitewash and i was right so away. because it'd been i know we talked about this before um you know about being concerned about that that doesn't happen in fact i mean the somber note that ends episode one right yeah and that yes. sad uh you know take of isn't it a pity Damn. yes yeah. i mean well done peter jackson it's a master yeah. storyteller yeah you yeah. said it at the outset kit i mean <laughs> he created a cliffhanger where we all know what happens and you're still wondering how do they get that back together? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're like, wait a minute, I know, I know what's going right. to happen. But yeah, you find yourself like, oh my gosh, are they going to get it together? I mean, yeah, but but really, I I just think uh, this this is a like a multi-dimensional picture of what happened. I right. think that's better. It's not revisionist. It's not trying to whitewash anything. It presents, you know, that yes, there were some great, you know, there were some fun times. They still joked around, but they're, you know, yeah. It's almost they, they, like watching a documentary on the Titanic. I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know <laughs> yeah, the right. ending, but yeah. you know, you want to, you want to know what's leading up to the ending. That's yeah. right. And, and nobody wants to drown here. Right. <laughs> no. So we're going to try to, we're going right. to band, keep playing. Playing. Yeah. <laughs> try to yeah. make work, but right. you know, I mean, everything must end. It's, yeah. it's cyclical, yep. et cetera, et cetera. There's, also as great as the Beatles are, were at the time and are, you know, I'm coming away that boy, they really like had some insecurities, all of them, and, and oh, not sure do it again. And you know, you had to have Michael Lindsay Hawk saying, you know, you guys are not just four jerks, you're the, you're right. the Beatles, you know. Right. Come on, you know? Hey, this how about this of... too, Joe? You know, here's what's amazing that they get up the they get off the deck, obviously. We know, spoiler alert, they're gonna rank all these great songs in the last two days of January 1969, right? Mm. Wow, what a comeback. <laughs> the greatest music sports team in the history of music slash sports, right? Come from behind victory. Um, it's amazing to think that this band that we're watching five months later, is, am I doing my math right? Uh, mm. Six months later, seven months later, will have finished Abbey Road. Right. right. <laughs> right. I, mean, I don't see the guys making Abbey Road in this necessarily. No. Yeah. And that's a leap. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's and that's coming from an album that has you know three number one songs. You know? Yep, exactly. Right. exactly. Yeah, I mean the winners and and yeah. a number of the other ones are you know, don't yeah. let me down. Two of us. I've yeah. got a feeling I don't kick those off an album. You I shouldn't. Mean, right. That's yeah. What... Right. Exactly. Mm. Uh, let's talk about another thread that's going through this. Of course, uh, you know we've been bringing up Michael Lindsay Hogg a bit. Is of course the show. 
that they're yes. going to do. That is a running, of course, running thread through this whole thing. Right. And um, and it's kind of entertaining because, you know, the ideas, because, of course, Michael Lindsay Hogg keeps saying, you know, you, you really you guys have got to do this show. And he comes up with you know, ideas, uh, what, where was it that he wanted them to play? He was really pushing for that. that oh, Libya. Uh, and the, Libya, the, that's in the right. amphitheater. But look, I mean, he just, he just completed a great show, you know, mm-hmm. the, the month prior. I mean, look, I mean, he's got to be on this all time high. You know, he mm-hmm. just completed one, you know, show that included, you know, the Stones, The Who, Jethro Tull, Lennon. And now he's got the greatest band of all time. And now he's on an all time high. He wants to see this happen. I think more than the Beatles want to see this happen. Yeah. I think you're right there. <laughs> yeah. And he really had nothing. He had nothing right. really to work right. with, really. Yeah. And yeah. they just kept saying, we don't want to leave, you know, England. And, you know, right. and then they come up with, you know, maybe the, you know, on, on the ship. And, uh, you know, and George keeps saying, and I had to agree with him, you know, that's ridiculous. How are we going Ringo to get Ringo go abroad. Right. And exactly. Yeah, Ringo yeah. Ringo Ringo's abroad. You know, I was talking to our, our good pal, Jason Krupa, last hey, night. Krupa. And, uh, we were yep. talking about, you know, he, we were, um, you know, just sort of debriefing on, on uh, I guess that would have been episode one, right? Um, and uh, what was fascinating was we were talking about how many different people you see producing the Beatles in the first two episodes, mm. right? I mean, mm. you know, there are times when Michael Lindsay Hogg is throwing out suggestions right. and sort of stage you know, stage managing George Martin will a couple of times, uh, you know, um, obviously Glenn Johns will on several occasions, John, uh, excuse me, Paul will, you know, right. George. there's a wonderful moment, right? When George starts to, uh, and we do need to give some special time and space to Billy Preston. Oh yes. We're getting to him in a minute. Don't worry. We're getting to him. Right. You see George helping Billy Preston find his arrangements. So George Harrison's producing the Beatles. It's kind of fascinating to watch all of these different folks sort of feel comfortable enough to throw their hand in and, and get going. Right. I thought it was interesting before I forget that Glenn Johns on a couple of occasions, if I remember correctly, helped out with some songs. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Don't let me down. He was suggested, what if you all you sing it and then you take the second part? Uh, together that was really then... cool to hear those harmonies of 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 george and paul you know singing those lines to to what john was singing you know i, I thought that was really fascinating yeah and glenn... then and then even oh, later on i thought i'll let it be i thought glenn johns am i mistaken didn't he say how maybe to mm. end end the, the music of the piano bit at okay. one part i yeah. seem to remember something like that yeah paul was receptive to it yeah, let's talk about Glenn Johns because he he took on a much bigger role uh, in this than I expected. I mean, I knew, of course, that he was involved, but he was in the film a lot more. I mean, he's uh, he's I more expected. engaged. Yeah, I mean, he's more engaged than than say George Martin is. I mean, yeah, we, we, one of the scenes we see George on the floor reading the newspaper. Yeah, that was know? great. I never was fabulous. And not I never thought elegant. I'd see that. It's a very inelegant scene. Too. I don't remember reading yeah. that in your book there, Ken. <laughs> I know. I had him reading newspapers, but not lying right. on the floor looking right. disheveled. Quite right. Oh, no. Very elegant. George realized when he showed up that they'd kind of made a deal with Glenn Johns. Mm. And they, you know, being immature 20 year olds so they sort of forgot to tell him right right <laughs> but, uh, but you know we know that john uh, sorry george martin made sure he showed up because every time he came there he could invoice emi he get paid and put a little money in the air yeah. 
dollars, you know. Right. So it's a good move. Same way he invoiced them when they borrowed a certain what was it clavichord, mm. uh, you know, back on Revolver. So um, you know that's part of what was going on there. That's funny. Yeah, because once in a while, you know, he come down and be like, "Well, I think things are going better," you know, <laughs> things like that. Oh, yeah, have, have got, any guys are... <laughs> I mean... Like, thanks for your input, George. Right. Well, he he was helping out in things too. Uh, with no, he did. He sound. did. That was, I'm so glad they included that scene, mm. right? The scene for, um, for you blue. blue. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. With the piano. Yes. Yeah, that's, that that's was, right. that was one that shows you he's right there. Whenever they want something, they want to have something. They want something done for them. It's like, well, how can we do this sound? Or get and this? he clearly had the newspaper available. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. He was prepared, but right. I love that scene with, with Glenn Johns when they, decided of course you know one of the ways they got george to re- rejoin the band was to get out of twickenham and him, right. and you know go but and they had to thanks to good old magic alex they had to you know quickly get all the equipment together and everything and uh and so you know they were still loading it you know getting right. it all together by the time the Beatles got there and they had that long segment where the Beatles were like, okay, let's start recording. And, right. and Glenn, we're they waiting were waiting on Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. And they were still loading everything. And I mean, Glenn was taking forever to set everything up. And but then, I mean, but then was, again, you, you, you know, look what he had to deal with. I yeah. mean, it's, it's you're, you're building a studio on the spot. Exactly. You know, as we said, Magic Alex was busy, too busy working on, you know, a, a bass guitar combo uh, invention <laughs> rather than, you know, building the studio, which was one of the best scenes in the, where is that prototype? I want that. I don't know where that is. I've asked. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. And I also have to say, I want his leather jacket. That is a cool mm. leather jacket. Yeah. It looks like all of them had some really cool outfits. I, I, oh, I think they're the fashion was on point. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. John's multicolored striped was, shirt. And, yeah. Was Chris Thomas shirt. in this episode? What's that? that what? Was Chris Thomas in? I don't recall seeing him so. in yet. I mean, we saw Alan Parsons for like two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah, it was, yes. So, oh, part but, three. Okay, okay. okay. All right, there we'll we look go. Out for Spoiler okay. alert. I didn't hear anything. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, of course, Chris Thomas has an important talk, more talk. He's one of our alums. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed. Yes. White yes, Album but, Symposium yep. meeting. Thank you, that, uh, Ken. That was pre-Joe. Yeah, that was for my time. It that all was... belongs to Joe, though. So. Yep. <laughs> PJ, uh, yeah, P- PJ, pre Joe. P Joe. PJ, PJ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Great. But uh, anyway, yes, let's get to Billy. Billy. Let's get to Billy. Oh, my, yeah. my wow. guy. My right. guy. So I'll tell you, I, I'm sure you guys thought when he walked in, it, it was just, it, it was so great to watch this develop when he walked into apple studios and i mean it was just incredible how the mood lifted like immediately you know and uh and you know they just really uh you know clearly respected him um you know that's the whole thing if he was just some joe schmo sessions man they might not have had the same reaction here you know we know how george george harrison felt about billy preston i mean they were talking about billy preston before he even shows up exactly Um, you know so they're obviously looking you know him being there uh just you know just set lit the fire on under the john john says you're giving us a lift yeah yeah 
Yeah. And and it's amazing when he sits down and and they're like, hey, you want to want to sit in and you know, and then they, yeah. I think it's I got a feeling, right? And he just sits down and he just starts playing and does all you know, these unbelievable, you know, right. uh, uh, you know, electric piano solos and I mean, you know, and they're just like, you're in the band. I think he, right. I think John even says that, like, you're in the band. Oh, you're in, yeah. You know, yeah. and and the and like that is the turning point right and then the meeting they have when he's not there because he's doing rehearsals for the lulu tv show i mean they're actually talking about him bringing him in as a member you know john actually said what fifth beetle you know i mean that was that was pretty pretty amazing as well well the sixth beetle george martin (laughs) yeah true (laughs) well not at that moment i mean not anymore really martin's like the sixth paper boy yeah he's like in news or something But but yeah, I mean, it's just and not only did the mood lighten, but it was like, you know, they just became focused. I I was just amazing. Well, that's the power of Billy Press. I mean, that's that's the respect that he's gained garnered, sorry, over Mm -hmm. the over that decade uh, of just the musicianship. I mean, they don't want to look foolish in front of him, do they? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to No. You got a yeah. guest here. Uh, the guy can play, right? Yes. I mean, he can play. Can he ever? That helps. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was just, you know, we had heard this, of course, all these years about how he came in and left it. And we saw a bit of it and let it be. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, this was news to us. Right. But, uh, mm-hmm. but to see it unfold like this, you know, mm. and I mean, t- it was just such a joy to watch and right. and just really see it unfold in our in front of our eyes how he just came in and and they all you know just just lit up and and how the whole mood changed their work ethic changed uh it, it just was dramatic yes yeah well when it's what george said in the anthology is right you know people are less bitchy when there's a <laughs> guest. we're all thought when a guest right. comes in you know you, you got to be nice to the guest and right mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. our our parents taught us that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. About yeah. That's right. And, the, and it carried over to the day that he wasn't there, too. I mean, they were actually, you know, you know, playing, you know, cohesive again, uh, even when he wasn't there um, that that following day while he was rehearsing for the Lou right. show. I mean, they're they're working together still. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the power that he had, you know, or the respect that he had, I mean, it just really well, is, was, you amazing. know, Tom, yeah. I'm going to full disclosure. Kit yeah. wanted me to come tonight because he felt like the three of you weren't getting along as well. And <laughs> I hadn't been on, and yeah, uh, yeah, right. They, she just thought I would change the chemistry up a little bit, and people would work. Rightfully together. so, rightfully yeah. so. That's nitpicking, you right? Know, I feel like you're playing better. Joe is Joe's just hitting all the notes. I'm and, just getting it all. All the words are coming out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like thank you, Kit, for thinking of that. I'm glad I helped out. You, you, as George said, you pulled us out of the doldrums, right? You know, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Jason and I were on with Ken Michaels the other day, and he, yes, he called, he called me the fifth talker. <laughs> so, I, talker. like, the yeah, never mind. The fifth, right. you had to been there, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that is too funny, right. but uh, but yeah, I mean, no, no question, he uh, he was just you know, another nice moment. I thought, you know, where, where again, you, you started to see things thawing out a bit was when they started reminiscing about their time in India. I thought mm, that yes. was, yes, yeah. another good one, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
what what was it? Why did we do that? Isn't that what they? <laughs> yeah, said? that was funny. Yeah, I don't really right. know. George was, was like, "Do you regret it?" You know, and you know, John says, "I don't regret anything." You know, that was pretty cool. But but the, but to have the the visuals like we did with McCartney three two one, where there, where a different person or a subject came up, they would show you know that that stuff, and they did that here too. Um, you know, so they're showing this footage of what what Paul's talking about. You know, the shot by shot, starting with sin, yeah. then going to this. Mm -hmm and then Jane Asher making a you know a brief appearance was great too um you know and then all that imagery from from Rishi Kesh I mean that was that was really cool that yeah, really helps because when, when it's mentioned and it's mentioned and let it be too that little bit and uh for the most part and if you don't know what what they're talking about it's difficult to follow that sequence mm. what exactly is Paul talking about you know now you know right <laughs> yeah yeah and that was very smart of peter jackson to you know put in all that footage yeah. yes you know and, and as he's talking i mean because yeah you know if you weren't familiar with the full story you know that might be difficult to follow and and yeah. so he yeah he absolutely did a great job of of uh doing that when he had to but only when he had to i mean you know he really he wasn't constantly interrupting or anything with um you, you know any news oh, no. or any additional information right. it was just only when he had to yeah. um and i could have uh, done without the rock and roll music uh clip i don't know why <laughs> when he was oh, doing oh rock yeah and roll music. oh yeah uh, it wasn't a bit it, was not a, it didn't ruin anything but in fact mm -hmm. my girlfriend loved that bit she said, oh, right. she said oh i like that they have this in in here i said oh really mm -hmm. yeah she said it before before i said anything so. yep so yeah i mean uh, and i guess that's something we all have to remember that he's appealing to different you know, different. I mean, obviously, all Beatle fans, right. but different levels of Beatle fans. Beatle fan, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so it's something you know we yeah. have to. And uh, I also, so, yeah, I'd also just like to say, I mean, he handled the whole Enoch Powell situation brilliantly as yes. well. Yeah. You know, and that was another part that I was really looking forward to because you know the Black Album was my first uh, bootleg, and you know my first introduction to those sessions, and then you know hearing Paul, you know, mention Enoch Powell during those, it just like okay who is this individual and then you you know and you get in the backstory and then you know and it was handled perfectly yeah he also that you know paul unfairly is maligned sometimes right being a person of social conscious or right. connection in quite the same way as his former songwriting partner and hmm. that really showed him speaking out about something truly atrocious that was happening Right. then and now right so that was pretty powerful see, see see joe paul was really the social commentator it wasn't yes, he was he was the one <laughs> he was he was that hey he was that. here's a question for the group so yeah um you know we're obviously pretty happy and um <laughs> we've only just begun watching this for the rest of our lives yes <laughs> will this uh will this grow new fans um yeah. if, if they happen to turn this on it, you know how will this do you think be read uh, or interpreted by others who don't have the same problematic sense we do? Um, well, I, I was concerned a little bit. You know, I, I, one of my first thoughts was I hope that this will bring new generations of fans, just like I know rock bands did and the Beatles anthology and the, the one CD. Uh, and then I thought, well, gee, I don't know if I was like a young person, if I was like I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, ten, whatever. And I came across this, didn't know really who the Beatles were. And I saw part one and I'm watching this. Would I be kind of bored? You know, I'm trying to be objective about it as much as I love yeah. it. I'm trying to look at it. Right. And I'm thinking, gee, I don't know. You know, it's it almost seems like they, this was done for the more for the real hardcore fan 
to really appreciate. Um, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. And I know when I mentioned this in one of my uh, reviews that I did on my channel, I had a few comments saying they kind of resented that in a way because I watched this with my son and he loved it or someone else who was a newbie. Uh, I think a woman who was a newbie never would know the Beatles and she was right. able to appreciate it. So oh, that's fine. I, Great. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> right. Well, when you think about it, this isn't, this is a hardcore fan story. I mean, this mm -hmm. isn't a beginner's, um, you know, a beginner course to the Beatles. This is what, you know, people like us have been thirsting for, mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so bringing in, bringing in, you know, new fans, you would hope so, uh, because you would hope they would want to see, you know, you know, you get the songs, you know, you get the let it be's, the get backs and the, you know, all long and winding roads, you know, those popular songs that people love. Um, and so you hopefully, hopefully that in itself will draw you in, but, but then you get meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And then that's when you think maybe, you know, those beginners or, or the casual mm -hmm. fan will maybe yeah. tune out and not really appreciate this as much as maybe, you know, us four would. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little concern I had too, that because of the length and all that, that might scare away, you know, yeah, you new know fans. What? You but, wouldn't, no one would have made this before, right? I mean, we live right. in the age of television narrative. People have more patience than ever before. They have lots, lots of different and probably vital experiences with other kinds of narratives before they ever turn this on. We're probably in the right moment for this to speak to people from all, you know, not from all generations, right? Mm. Four-year-olds mm. probably aren't ready for this one. They can just keep listening to Yellow Submarine, right? But, uh, but I, I, I can imagine my students or, you know, young teens being very interested in and in finding something interesting in this. Right. I agree. Like a I reality so. TV, maybe. Yeah. Is it like reality yeah. TV? That's, a, I mean, that's would, an interesting would, yeah, thought. I mean, would you guys would have thought that this would have played out better as maybe like an hour, uh, hour a day type kind of series? Or are you guys happy hour with, you know, hour. the layout? Um, I think this you know, is perfect. Yeah. I mean, I was dis I was disappointed in the beginning, like a lot of people were, because I was looking forward to the big theatrical event, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be on television. Oh, but mm. I think he, he nailed it, Peter Jackson, the way to present this. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, because I, I think there's no way he could have covered this in just a couple hours. I mean, there's there's just it's too complicated a story to tell. Right. And uh, and I think mm. this was the way to go. And I don't think any major television network would have agreed. To, oh, they want know. to touch this with. I mean, I don't care. But then for seeing that's again thing, though, that really surprises me because you have a moneymaker in in the Beatles. You have a moneymaker in Peter Jackson, whose films have grossed sure. billions, billions of dollars, that you know, and then and you want to shake my moneymaker. Right. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you're going to, you know, in, you know, that winter, inter, wonderful interview they did with, you know, Peter Jackson on things we said today. And they're telling Peter Jackson that they're, they're not going to like let him have a, a you know a, a director's cut of this i mean are you kidding you know yeah. of course people are gonna buy this uh, well, come on they're worried yep. they, think, they think you know oh nobody buys bonus footage nobody buys right. physical media it's hard enough to convince them the suits that uh, people want physical media some people still right know? never mind you know but bonus exactly. footage they, you know but but i think peter jackson also was right when he said uh, in an interview that uh it depends on the money too, right? How does it, how well is this going to do yeah. in the end, right? And I think it'll do well. Absolutely, absolutely, exactly. So, um, 
so before I, I get your, your general impressions, I just wanted to mention uh, one more thing uh, that I, I just don't want to forget. Uh, going back, one of the, uh, well, actually, this is a good way to, to close it out is mentioning our favorite moments uh, mm. of, of the past two episodes. Well, one of oh. mine, uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's a lot. Where do, you start? where do you start? Where do you start? I hope you don't take the one I'm thinking. <laughs> All right. Well, one of them is uh, when Paul you know comes in and and john is is late which of course he was a lot right. uh yeah. but when uh paul comes in and george and ringo are already there and paul just sits down and starts just screwing right. around on the guitar and then you start hearing the rhythm <laughs> uh-huh and and it's get back and mm -hmm. I mean, and watch, on his bass. yes, yeah, strumming yes. on his bass. That's right. And he, bass. he creates it right there before our very eyes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and you're seeing, you know, and then George and Ringo are kind of nodding like, you know, okay, this is, this sounds promising. And, you know, and then they kind of nod along and then George starts yeah. playing. I mean, to watch yeah. it develop right, right. there. And then, I, and then the wow. fast forward to a week and a half when they're in the when in the studio, they're in the control room, and George is like going, "Well, this should be the next single. Let's put this out." I mean, you know? yeah. How I mean, yeah. how fast yeah. is that? And, and then yeah. uh, you know, and then along the way, you hear the lyrics. The you know, he's working on the lyrics, and, right. and uh, you know, Joe. What was it, Jojo uh, Jackson? Jojo Jackson. <laughs> And he's using Sweet Loretta Mary again. He's thinking yeah. he's Marsh first, and then he was yeah, saying Mary maybe. Yeah. Then yeah, he says Mary. There. I thought he was saying, and I'm thinking, no, don't do Mary. No, no, Mary. don't do that. That doesn't, you know. I mean, <laughs> and then you know, and then when he's working through, you know, like Scottsdale, Arizona, right. like no, 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 no. I mean, it's it's. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, to I, see, I like. I, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that was one of my favorite moments. Couple, a couple so, of moments I like. I like. Yeah. I like the moment when, it, when all things must pass. When John suggests to change a lyric right. from wind to mind yeah. to my, mind. Right. You know, since it's more psychedelic. Yeah. I like that. Yes, that you was know, a great moment. That's cool. And I love the bit when Linda says how Ringo. She likes yes. Ringo. Makes makes her feel, makes relaxed, feel relaxed. Yeah. Around him. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. And all of you watching out there, share your yeah. favorite moments as well. So many. You know. Yeah. I, I loved yeah. how they worded um the band the you know john and paul decide to work on a track that they've been working on and it ends and it ends up being give me some truth yeah. um you know right. and it's like really they were working on it together and you see paul really engaged in that track as well yeah. you know oh, kind of giving course. suggesting you know <laughs> words to it as well because yeah because yeah. we know yeah. he probably secretly wrote that song too Joe. that's right <laughs> so, yeah he wrote everything yeah that's right. i think he was inspired by macbeth hamlet and measure for measure <laughs> right because yeah. he was because he was the literal one as well yeah. right <laughs> you know i i like all the little moments i like yeah. george martin reading the newspaper i would never have expected <laughs> I love, uh, On the I, love floor. Paul. I love Paul. Mal, get a right. hammer right. and an anvil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like that. Yeah. You know, it's, and a bow tie. Uh, yeah, it's little stuff like that. It's, uh, it's Linda fighting just, with right. Michael Lindsay Hogg about who's the bigger fan. You know, right. It's the little stuff yeah, that really make it's It's John and Yoko, you know, yes. just looking at each other. It's everything. I love right. it all. It's it's yeah. almost like that that epic movie that when you go back and watch you 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 see another bit that you kind of maybe forgotten about yes. and you you know you're just seeing bits and pieces that that uh, you're always picking up on and you know, uh, the, yeah uh, the most sentimental moment clearly uh, from what I've been able to glean from 
the world out there yeah uh is is the moment when paul says yeah and then there were two and then, yeah and then just the shot yeah, yeah. right on him i mean that's that for me that's probably arguably the best part of of, of episode two you know yeah. i mean and, it, and you see that again what i was hoping for was the facial expressions the body it, language it, it says know? it all and that and it lingers right. for a while that you yes. got yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. And, yeah yes yep and there's another moment with that's kind of emotional when um i think it's paul who says like well one day maybe we'll you know we'll all grow old and get back right. together and play together and you're just like oh boy yeah. you know i mean it's it, it really gets you right. and i also uh love the moment when you know um michael lindsey hogu yeah at various times you can you can tell he's just like why did i do this why did i agree to this like he's just like had it you know and he says uh, I don't know what story I'm telling anymore. Right. Yeah, I, right, right. You're I just, just sitting around in, in, in the little studio at that point, really. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, you know, he's oh. just, it's just great. And of course, yeah. you're like, you're telling a great story. Yeah, it's just I like mean, that little bit there at the beginning where he's talking with Ringo and he's, how's the documentary going on? How's the story? Well, if we're honest, we're going to have a great, we're going to have a great documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and I, yeah. oh, and I also love how he, corrals ringo at one point you know when he's trying to get them to agree on what kind of a show they're going to do this is yeah. early on and that you can tell he's like okay ringo gets along with everybody so <laughs> right, if right. if i think if i could get right. him right you, know, you can get talk, everyone else everyone else will fall in line <laughs> right you gotta pick trying to pick your team you gotta right. you need an, he needs an alliance yeah, right. exactly. you know I, there's so much to love um about about you made me think of this kid that yeah. remark, you know, 50 years from now, we don't want people to say the Beatles broke right. up. Yoko side oh, seven. Lamp. Lamp. Right. Yeah, that's that's great for kind of what one. You know, first of all, you don't sit on another dude's amp. No, you just don't do it. It's but just an unwritten rule. Right. You just don't do it, right? right. Um, but more than that, it shows that in a way they recognize that this thing they've created, people are still gonna be talking about in 50 years. And yeah, yeah cool. good yeah. point. That they mm -hmm. kind of sensed yeah well and and you know and it's interesting how like when they were working you know on get back later on you could tell like they were kind of they were playing it you, you could tell they just thought this is going to be a big hit yeah. you know like they just sensed it uh and so i think you know they could tell at times like you know uh, and, and don't forget it's been like five months since the last single five right. whole months <laughs> I know. Yeah, when they said that, they're like, it's been five months. Of that. I mean, today, I mean, today's artists, are, yeah, right. I can't even comprehend that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, you know, Adele just came out with her first album in six years, you right, know, and right. I mean, they had to put out a new album every year at least. That, that still blows me. Sometimes if you say like six, seven years, you know, it takes for an album by somebody say, that's a whole, the whole Beatles recording career, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> Just astounding, just astounding. Now, Ken, you have seen the the whole thing already. So without giving too much away, what should we look for in the third part? Uh, is there anything in particular that, you know, you, you can kind of tease us with? I mean, we obviously know about the rooftop concert. You don't, I mean, that's not a giveaway. That's all I had. Um, <laughs> you know, 
I, I, I would, I look forward and we're going to do this again Sunday night. Sunday yes. night, yep, yeah. same time. Yeah, I look yep. forward to the commentary then because my students and I have been talking about this in my, my non-Beatles class, which is the senior seminar in English. And we just, we've been discussing how important beginnings and endings are. So, um, you know, one of the parts of the ending obviously is going to be the rooftop concert, spoiler alert. Yeah. But, you know, it won't be the last frame necessarily either. That's so, great. That's good. I was going, that's the question I had. So I wonder if they're going to end on that. To see what folks think about that when we get to Sunday, I'll be, I'll be looking for that. We also have, um, we, we've also provided breadcrumbs tonight about the different ways in which they're finding their mojo. They're working together as a band. You know, clearly some of the hurt feelings are going away from various parties. Um, it will be interesting to watch those develop and coalesce in even greater ways and flower into something more powerful. Um, you know, so I would look for those sorts of things. Um, even the, the issue of getting up on the roof uh, is fascinating right. uh, in itself. So uh, just a, I, I really am looking forward to hearing what people's thoughts are. Yeah. I think uh, you just came up with a great Paul Simon parody song, 50 Ways to Find Your Mojo. Yeah. <laughs> And, I, and you know, you know me, Tom. I wasn't, I wasn't I'm, a, I'm an ideas guy. That's right. This is oh well, that's great. Well, you just gave us something to right. really think about for Sunday. You know, I, so. I, I reminded me. I was thinking in, in part two when they go up onto the roof to check it out mm -hmm. the first time. Right. Uh, but I was thinking, uh, and. and I don't know who says it. Maybe it's Michael. I don't know. Well, you know, it'll be disturbing the peace. You know, what happens? Ringo's like, what happens if we, you know, play here over there? Well, if somebody's next door, you'll be disturbing the peace, you know, uh, making noise. I'm thinking, I thought they would drink that in, you know, or right. Paul's chomping on a cigar too. I'm thinking, whatever he's smoking. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, that's what he wanted. Wasn't it even earlier on? Paul said that. Right. It would be great to be yeah. dragged off, you know? And uh, that's a perfect ending for the film. You want to make trouble, really. Right. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, that was funny when he said they went and dragged off. We do know, you know, again, spoiler alert, obvious spoiler alert. <laughs> we know where this, what happens next. Right. You know, so this is always, this was always going to end as a continuum. Mm. Good. Yep. All oh, right. boy. Mm -hmm. Well, can't wait for uh, for the next uh, the, the next and final chapter to uh, to drop uh, tomorrow. Uh, well, depending on how late you're willing to stay up uh, to, mm. to watch, uh, I know a couple of people here are probably going to be staying up. And, yes, uh, yep. <laughs> we'll be doing six a.m. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. you're not gonna. You're not gonna stay. Well, up the first, the, the first part one, I was like, because you know, I'm a morning person, meaning like mm. six a.m., but I'm not a three a.m. person. Ah, gotcha. So, okay. but I wound up not being able to sleep. I was a kid the first one. I I'm like a kid on Christmas Eve waiting over yeah. his present. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm like, you know, rolling around. It's two o'clock. It's three o'clock. I finally at four o'clock. I said, I'm getting up. Right. And yeah. I watched it at four. Part one. Wow. Well. No matter when you watch it, I know you're you're you know, gonna love it. I know we're Absolutely. all gonna love it, and uh, we will be back here Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, to talk about part three, and then uh, to give our overall um, thoughts about 
you know, how this is going to change, if, if it will change at all, the Beatles story. And we want to know what you guys think. And we will be reading the comments. I know we didn't get to as many as we uh, wanted, but there's just too darn much to say about this. <laughs> we mm -hmm. just had too much to say. Uh, oh, but, yeah. uh, but we will read your comments. Uh, so, uh, so don't worry. We, we, uh, we love reading your comments and, and we love your feedback. So for Tom Hanyadi, Ken Womack and Joe Mayo. This is Kid O'Toole saying peace and love, peace and love. We'll <laughs> see you on Sunday. Good night, everybody. Take care. Talk.